listening to All That Matters, stories about arts and culture around Alberta. Each week, we take small bites out of a big question. I'm Chris Changin Phillips. And I'm Joe Hartflat. This week, the second half of a two-part documentary about a group of inmates in the Edmonton Remand Centre, a correctional facility where men and women are held while they await trial. We're speaking to men in one of two boot camp units in the Remand Centre, men like Michael Nelson. I got baptized in 2005. Really nice one was my faith really started to get stronger. Yeah. Were you incarcerated at the time or? I was incarcerated at the time. Yeah, I was in uh, Trump Heller Penitentiary. Yeah, and that's when I just, you know, I started just really starting to connect more to the Lord. I'm 34 and I just can't do this jail thing no more, you know. There's more to life than jail and my addiction. You have to apply to move into the boot camp unit. It comes with a tough trade-off. You sign on for military-style discipline, your behavior, drills, keeping your bed crisp and clean. And in exchange, you get to be part of what feels like a really unusual atmosphere for a jail. An environment with fewer drugs and fewer fights. More freedom to wear casual clothes. More free time. We went into the Edmonton Remand Center with our reporter Sarah Campbell-Alfazema to meet people like Michael who are channeling that time and their desire for change into poetry and rap. In our last episode, we were introduced to some of the paths that have led people there. Today, we wanted to know what paths the boot camp inmates have open to try to change their lives, and what could hold them back. Like Michael, a lot of the inmates we met are turning to religion. We met Michael together with a young guy named Josh, who really seemed to look up to him. Boot camp is helping me become a better person, teaching me a little bit more structure. And Since I've been here, I've turned my life over to the Lord. You know, I've been doing uh, Bible studies. Can you tell us what you're holding? I'm holding a holy Bible here with my name on it. I did uh, correspondence home Bible studies. I've always believed in my faith and the Lord. Something really changed this time around and I, and I, I had to go deeper. And Joshua, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm Joshua, Charles Tom. I've been incarcerated for about going on five months. I was on a different unit before I came to boot camp and high aggression over there and you always got to watch over your back. And this is my first time ever in jail. I never have a criminal record. It's my first time ever coming to a facility like this. Coming to boot camp is really good. You got a lot of opportunities, a lot of programs you can do. Like myself, I have about 12 certificates right now. You have a whole bunch of opportunities. Guards here don't treat you like inmates, they treat you just like another person. I look forward to getting out soon. Courts look upon people in boot camp and it's a very good uh, thing. When I had to come to jail, like I ran away for a bit because I was scared. I have a, a wife and a daughter, eight month old daughter, so I didn't want to leave them. Came to jail, went to a normal unit, you gotta act like the big guy. And one incident I was on the phone and then I just got suckered for no reason. Now I don't have to worry about stuff like that because everyone here, we're all like brothers in here. Like slammed in the head while you were on the phone? Yes. What happened? I was talking to my wife and then out of nowhere, someone just came behind me and just hit me and that was it. We get a lot of extra programs here in boot camp. We get first pick on like anger management, parenting, family violence people trying to actually change other rather than people just, just want doing play. their time and existing and just, you know, being the same old bully that they were. And I pray for those people, you know, I was one of those people myself. One, and then. Another unit is people go into the program just to get the letter so they could show their lawyer or judge and just say, hey, I got the letters. And they don't really get nothing out of the program. We come to boot camp to want to change for something or ourselves or for our families or for our kids. When we do come into the programs, we're not coming for the letters. We're coming to learn and actually get what we put into it. Um, do you mind telling us how you first heard about the people that were doing poetry in here? We had a talent show 
And there's a lot of talent out there, you know, people rhyming and spitting their poetry and singing and whatnot, playing guitar. Never would have thought they had that kind of emotions or gift. It's a beautiful thing, you know, to talk your heart like that and it comes from deep. Uh, I didn't start doing poetry until <coughs> I actually walked into boot camp here. I was in my cell and started writing down stuff and started doing poems. I come from a music background. My mom, my mother is a really beautiful singer, you know. I, amen, I love you, mother. Just one of the Lord's angels, you know, like the rest of our mothers. Speaking my mind through music helps me grow, keeps me calm, heals my soul, you know. Uh, we'd love to hear something. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to speak or you want me to sing? This is a recent song I, I wrote. It's called Here We Go. Here we go, nice and slow, ready to know, i let you in, let's begin, we both have sinned. Starts right here You're so near Well now it's clear I'm open to hear What you say I know you're here In a good, good, good way Thank you, my Lord. You're sharp like the sword. You're clearing the ways. Now I can play. My heart is open. My mind is there. I'm in your stare. Back, back, my glare. Picking the pace, it's not a race. Well, here we are, not too far. Here we go, nice and slow. Turned my back I was on attack Well, I turned away It was not okay I sat back down Turned my life around I can hear my sound Two feet back on the ground Here we stand, we stop the fall. Well, here we stand, I heard your call. Well, here we go, 
nice and slow Already know I let you in Let's begin We both have sinned the way Starts right here. You're so near. Well, now it's clear. Oh, it hurt. We stand. We stop the fall. Well, here we stand. I heard your call. Joshua, what about Michael made you feel comfortable opening up to him? We all have our past and stuff. Michael's a really genuine, nice guy and take the shirt off his back, give it to anybody. A gentle giant, I guess you say. <laughs> Joshua, how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? 22, I just came in here on my golden birthday. I had to celebrate it in here. Wait for my family and wife and my daughter. Do you feel like being around older uh, people who have been in and out of jail, that that kind of provides you some wisdom and inspiration for what you'll do when you get out? They tell me all kinds of stuff and they tell me their stories. Yeah, when I walk out of this place, hopefully in two months, and I don't ever plan on coming back in here ever again in my life. What does it mean to you to be able to talk about what you're going through and what you're feeling through poetry, through singing? A lot of people hold it in here. All you do is have your cell and your cellmate. We help each other out. If they have a shoulder crown, cry. Other units, usually you don't see people crying. We have each other's back on this unit. Before coming in here, I used to drink a lot, use a lot of drugs. Like when I leave this place, I'm gonna go to John Howard and follow up there. John Howard, it's a place that you go to if you need a work or something, they'll help you out. Or if you need a house or housing, they'll help you out. Resources like that, they have a lot of resources for a lot of people. Not just inmates, other people too. Like that need it. Do you have anything to share with us? Your eyes hypnotize me. Your smile's a picture of perfection. Your complexion is astonishing and your kiss is intoxicating. Your essential defines you. Ambition compels you. Independence drives you while I search to find you. I write from my soul. I speak with my heart. I write in the dark and I speak with the light. The light you have shine upon me. The light that brings warmth when darkness surrounds me. The light you have that found me. The light you have that transcends me, your knowledge for your loyalty, your knowledge for your love, your knowledge for your beauty, your knowledge for your motherhood, your knowledge for my heart and love. To tell you every day I love you, to tell you every day I appreciate you, to tell you every day you deserve this, to tell you every day this is your purpose. Did you get to share that with uh Oh yeah, I shared that with my wife. Yeah, but uh, from recently now she's uh, planning on moving on, so I don't have her nowhere. You're listening to All That Matters from CJSR, stories about arts and culture around Alberta. Each week, we take small bites out of a big question. Today, how can poetry and rap help inmates in the Edmonton Remand Center's boot camp unit turn their life around? I don't think I've ever had an opportunity to work with men that are more inspired, more motivated, more determined to change their lives and do positive things. 
Howie Hoggins works to support people like Josh and Michael when they come out of jail. He's built a lot of relationships with inmates in the Edmonton Remand Centre, and he also knows the kind of roadblocks they face transitioning out. Uh, the men here did a fundraiser for the Stollery children where they did push-ups, uh, 100 push-ups a day for every day in May, and then donated that money directly to the Stollery. Uh, my name is Howie Hoggins, and I am a program facilitator for the Edmonton John Howard Society here at the Edmonton Remand Centre. Um, I offer a five-day program, five different workshops for men on all the various units here to assist them in getting more resources and information to be able to make choices that work for them mm -hmm. and to give them options when they leave the ERC. So can you explain to me the process of how an inmate would transition from being incarcerated to living in, in the society? Okay, there's a couple of options. First of all, if they intend to go into a recovery program, we give them all of the resources they need to contact the various places in and, in and around Edmonton, and they have to do that. They have to make the contact, and we encourage them, again, as soon as they get out, to come to the John Howard Society office if they have any issues with housing, transportation, anything. And we have a really wide network of contacts where we don't necessarily do everything for them, but we can put them in touch with the right people, or we can assist them, for example, if they're needing to get their ID and they have to have an application form, uh, we can download that and sit down with them and make sure it's filled out and then tell them where to go to submit it. And so we encourage them to take our five-day program, and on that fifth day, they get the information on pre-release, and they create a plan as well. We give them a package where they create their own pre-release plan, which makes it much more functional, and their backup is always John Howard. We say, if anything goes wrong, if you have any issues, come directly to John Howard. For a person who isn't struggling with addiction and they're just released, what do you think some of their main challenges are with integrating and getting their life back on path? A lot of times the people that are not faced with addictions have issues, again, with homelessness. Uh, many of them have problems with not having ID. So what we do, first of all, is make sure we get them enough ID so that they are able to function in society. And again, looking for a place to live, finding a job. Um, it, it seems to be a common factor whether they have an addiction or, that, or they don't. Uh, seeking employment and finding a good place to live, a safe place to live, that, those are the key elements right off the bat as soon as they get out. Of course, not everybody faces the same kind of challenges inside jail or on the outside. About half the men we met from the boot camp unit were Aboriginal. According to the federal government's prison watchdog, the Office of the Correctional Investigator, about a quarter of Canada's federal inmates are Aboriginal. But they only make up 4% of Canada's overall population. A quarter of federal inmates coming from just 4% of the population. They're also more likely to be released later in their sentence than non-Aboriginal people and more likely to be returned to prison because their parole was revoked for administrative reasons. Reading reports about this, to be honest, can be a bit dry. So Métis author and researcher Patty Labakan Benson wrote a graphic novel about some of the issues she was seeing in her research and counseling work. It's called The Outside Circle. The story tracks the fallout after an Indigenous character named Pete commits a murder. Pete and his little brother Joey deal with a lot of the issues that contribute to this overrepresentation of Indigenous people in prison. Gang pressure, struggling to find their cultural and spiritual identity, being pushed into the child welfare system. 
At one point, their mom is forced to sign over guardianship for Joey because their home environment is dangerous. When we read the document, the wording is replaced by a short history of moments like this, how women like her have been separated from their children for centuries in Canada, through residential schools, through the 60s scoop. My name is Patty Labacan benson and I am the Director of Research, Training, and Communication at Native Counseling Services of Alberta. And how did you get into writing a graphic novel? Well, I love graphic novels, first of all. It's a medium I really enjoy. And I decided that when I finished my PhD and had um, defended my dissertation, I was encouraged to publish my dissertation. But I was most interested in kind of pushing this uh, research that I did and things that I had learned into a more popular audience, and specifically a younger audience, too. And I thought that the graphic novel would be an excellent medium for uh, telling a compelling story, but I could see in my head how I would tuck in the research as well and make it an evidence-based graphic novel. So I had mentioned to you earlier when we spoke that some colleagues and I went to the Remand Center and we recorded some poetry with inmates. And afterwards I read The Outer Circle and I, I saw a lot of similarities between Pete's character and some of the inmates. What do you think it takes for characters like Pete to change, their, turn their lives around and make positive changes? I think that um, the central argument in this in this book or the idea here is that um, there is change is always possible uh, that the, you know every child is born a gift from the creator and whole and perfect and it's through our life experiences that we um, take on certain behaviors and so we believe that violence is a learned behavior and people can learn not to be violent as well mm -hmm. and for most people and definitely for, for Pete um, his his uh, change came from the illumination of new choices or uh, learning that he had actual choices in his life. Many times people who are caught in cycles of addiction and violence and um, uh, they feel like they have had no choice, that there was just no choice but to do what they did. And a big part of the healing process is um, along with <clears throat> reconciliation of relationships and the, um, the figuring out of a, a positive identity it's about figuring out that you have choices and that you have the capacity to make good choices as well so my last question is how would you respond if a reader said my experience is similar to peace i'm a white male i came from a broken family and i experienced poverty there's too much emphasis on colonialism how would you respond to that and what do you think there's something that that person is missing from the story well that's an interesting question, and it's a big question. Mm -hmm. My, um, when I hear that, and I, I do hear that, and I certainly read about it in certain uh, places, but um, my, my idea is that this person obviously does not have a grasp of our history. Mm -hmm. That any person that I know that has taken the time to learn about our history understands how we have come to the point today where we have an overrepresentation of Aboriginal people in the criminal justice system, in our prisons, and in child welfare. And a lot of my research has been mapping a straight line from 1763 through to the colonial policies of nation building, the residential school policies, forced welfare, child welfare policies, all of these policies, when we when we just read, when we take away the emotion and actually read these pieces of legislation and what they were deemed to do, it is no surprise whatsoever that we have 
these over-representation stats right now. This was an act of government that was very purposeful. And so the people who say that, I think that they don't have a good grasp on history. And, and um, in many ways, this is a commentary on our school systems and the fact that we have never really taught the true history. And, and on top of that, we don't know one another. That um, uh, for the most part, there is not a good relationship between the non-Aboriginal community and the Aboriginal community. I mean, reconciliation is happening, things are changing, but there's still many places in Canada where we just don't know each other. Um, my name is Nathan Lovelkan from Slave Lake, Alberta. Been in jail for the majority of my life. What led you here to the Remand Center? Bad situations, I guess. The circumstances out there are different for me, especially when you look the way I look. I am educated, but it's still hard for me to get a job and uh, struggle a lot out there. Kind of got out of control with the drugs and alcohol and um, ended back in jail. Nathan, please explain what you mean by when you look the way you, I look. I get stereotyped a lot, right? Because I'm heavily tattooed and uh, Aboriginal. I don't like to say that. It's a lot of racism under the rug. Sometimes it just takes a different toll on me and uh, I turn to drugs and alcohol. Can you tell us about some of your tattoos? I got all my tattoos in the federal system, actually. Uh, I'm an artist myself. I draw a lot, I do tattoos. A lot of my tattoos have meanings to them. Uh, the one on the side of my face here is for my brother. I think it says blessed, right? Is it on this side or am I yeah. just bugging out? Yeah, it says blessed. This is for my brother. Um, he passed away while I was in prison and uh, I went to his funeral in body chains, so it was kind of devastating for me. I never really got to know him because I grew up in jail, so. How did you guys get involved sharing poetry with other folks or rap or? I've been actually doing it for a long time. I write poetry, uh, I write lyrics, I rap. I like to write a lot about the way I grew up and the stuff I've been through. I have poetry, I write, but uh, that's something else. Is there a difference between the raps that you write and the poetry? For me, there is, because <laughs> I write poetry about um, a specific woman in my life. <laughs> Romantic poetry. And my rap is just about my life, the struggles that I've been through as an Aboriginal person, as where my culture is going. A lot of hostility in my raps and uh, take you to dark places. Want to share something? Probably get a poem and a rap. I'd like to shine some light on residential schools and the effects of um, living with it and the after effects. This song is called um, Come and Look. Um, I got a hook for it and everything. <clears throat> Come and look, what's become of me? How did I go from banging on a drum, selling drugs and doing robberies? Is it cause of poverty or that I lost my weight? My mother never knew any better either. She came from a harder way and hers even harder and hers even worse. Where children got raped, murdered, tossed in a hole and never got to see a hearse or a chance to grow or speak their own language. Couldn't have long hair, they're getting beaten or strangled. How do I explain this? My anger only grows. The whole reason for reservations was to watch us all suffer, starve, and die slow. Because the assumptions they made brought about the demise of our culture and religion and the way we used to strive. Considered a heathen, a savage or a devil, from out of the frying pan on a suicide level, saying God would save us all. So they forced their religion, children dying in schools, now we packing the prisons. And what happened to our women, why they keep going missing? If it was a Caucasian, the world would be on a mission. Y'all make me sick enough that it hurts all the shit i've been through i need a bottle and some perks because i want to forget just like the elders before me who never told her their stories because there was no glory just drowning their pain with pills and 40s and it's messed up this aftermath we live in after everything they took this is how we've been living come and look
Understand why we like this, why my neighbors going crazy, why we suffer this crisis, why we popping pills, why we drown in liquor. Poverty and deprivation slowly painted this picture. A portrait of pain, come and look at this picture. A portrait of pain, come and look at my picture. Native, look at my home. Look where I'm living. My house breeded alcoholics, addicts, trips to prison. Holes in the walls, windows is broken. Barely food in the fridge, my mama stressed out smoking. From everything that happened, traumatizes a kid. Although she never spoke about it, but who would admit? After all, she's just a native who don't know shit. Isn't that what they say? Or am I just bugging? I could have swore I heard the teacher say I'm good for nothing. Look at me now, I'm sitting in prison. Being taught my own culture and what's left of my religion is sickening. This glimpse of the past when I know more about drugs and sage and sweet grass ain't it sad? What else could I say? I did the best that I could, not knowing I'm crazed, forgive me please for all the dirt that I did. But at the end of the day, who putting food in my fridge? Coats on my back, my whole body is inked, and all I know is the trap. So f looking back, it only gets worse. I'd rather go by my day, living this curse. High on weed, trying to cope with the drama. My heart goes out to these single baby mamas, living alone with your little babies. In a world so cruel, it'll drive you crazy. I feel your pain, believe me I do, cause the truth is, I grew up like you, come and look. Understand why we like this, why my neighbors going crazy, why we f with this white shit, why we popping pills, why we drown in liquor. Poverty and deprivation slowly painted this picture. A portrait of pain, come and look at this picture. A portrait of pain, come and look at my picture. You have a second one? Yeah, like a poem? Um, I, don't, I don't remember my poetry, but I, I got some other stuff if you guys want to hear that. Man, I'm from the bottom where natives die, where they get shot, commit suicide. It's a way of life, I don't understand it. Like, why the hell do I feel stranded? This shit is real, wanna talk pain. My brother's death made me insane. My mother too, she a different person. She popping pills cause I know she hurting. Better close the curtain, can't take the sight. Like where's God, gets you out for the night. It's messed up, I know you feel the pain. My house torn, come feel the strain. Infliction, brown bottles, no hope, no role models. No remedies, no one to follow. It gets dim, that's why native hollow. Living proof, just another victim. Ghetto living made me wanna clip him. I'm messed up, you can't reach me. My brain gone, you can't teach me. Me. My mother tried, but she gave up, and I don't blame her. I'm blazing up, selling dope, can't seem to think. I'm messed up, they say I need a shrink, but I need a drink. Native, I'm a pop. I miss my brother, and I hate the cops, and I gotta run when I see the cops, cause they love to see another native drop. Come walk with me, let me tell you something. My homie's dead, cause the girl played him. That's the truth, love kills, so fuck a bitch, I never spill. My life is ill, homie, just listen. I'm antisocial, cause I've been to prison too many times, and fuck. Pity, liquor feel my mama's titty In the house of pain, that's where I need her from My roots deep, my body numb And f probation, I'm on the run Outlawed till the native done All sold up from the pain Just understand why I'm insane Just know I tried and never gave up Even in a cell, I'm still raising up Men like Nathan are working hard inside the boot camp unit To deal frankly with their emotions And show that they can be responsible citizens but it's worth asking, what role we as a society play in the number of men being sent to the Edmonton Remand Centre for drug and alcohol problems and violence? Writing and rap are, at their heart, ways to understand each other. And Patty Labucan Benson, the author of the graphic novel The Outside Circle, says that starting to understand each other is one of the first steps in coming to grips with the number of Aboriginal people disproportionately filling Canada's prisons. The essence of reconciliation is to build authentic relationships. And I feel, I believe, I think it's an evidence-based belief and it's also a moral and ethical belief that if we seek to, to build these relationships, 
and we seek to understand each other, that we can, as a nation, move forward from this together. We can work together to solve this problem. That's it for this week on All That Matters. This two-part documentary about the boot camp poets in the Edmonton Remand Center was produced by myself, Joe Hartfile, and Sarah Campbell-Alfazema. Thanks to Joshua Charles-Tom, Michael Nelson, Nathan Labuken, and all the other inmates who spoke to us in the boot camp unit. Thanks also to Howie Hawkins, Patty Labuken benson Daniel Emberg, and the staff at the Edmonton Remand Center. And thanks to the staff at the Alberta Justice and Solicitor General Department for making this program possible, including Andrea Cole, Don Asprey, Julie Siddons, and many more. All That Matters is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM in Edmonton. Our theme music is by Dokashiteru. Both parts of this documentary will be on our website, allthatmatterscjsr.wordpress.com. Email us at allthatmatters.cjsr.com or find us on Facebook and Twitter. I'm Chris Chang and Phillips. And I'm Joe Hartfile. Thanks for listening. Thank you.